0: Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 80 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yashbika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, we'll be discussing the sun... Loris, little little fight they had um, at halftime. David Silva potentially scoring his last goal for Manchester City. A couple questions from fans and just um, a couple other things, updates around the Premier League and such and just around the world of soccer. But to get things started, um, one of the cooler storylines out of this week, or I guess interesting ones, was the son Loris little heated argument they had. It was basically Sun didn't track back um, during the Everton game at one point in the first half. And Lloris started to get really mad at him because it let Everton get like a free shot on goal. And Lloris, you could clearly see Lloris kind of like talking to Sun. And basically at the end of the day, they had, they got in a big argument and the Tottenham players had to hold them back. And Mourinho after the game said that he actually enjoys that and he likes his players taking accountability for each other. Because it was something he kind of mentioned that he talked to his players after the Sheffield Sheffield United um, defeat. He talked to them about, hey, we have to start taking um, account of, you know, having accountability, being more vocal. And Luis, I guess, took that really head on because he is the captain, and mm-hmm. you know, it led into that fight. But I thought it was very interesting because obviously mm-hmm. we all know this happens behind the scenes all the time. I mean, that's just naturally how things go. You can't be buddy buddy all the mm-hmm. time. However. Most most teams would like to do this and like to keep all this stuff behind the scenes or in the locker room or during training sessions when no media or no one can see. But Tottenham is doing this out in the public and Mourinho loves it. <laughs> and mm. it's 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 really interesting because it kind of goes back to that two different philosophies where Mourinho is more of like that old style, uh old style type of way where he wants to, you know, have all these arguments and he wants He's basically any press is good press. And that's the way Mourinho (laughs) likes to work.
1: (laughs) I don't know if it's necessarily like old style. I feel like if this was equivalent to like friends or like a relationship in real life between two people, that's like when you go to a restaurant and you see two people shouting at each other in public. (laughs) And you're like, man, what's happening over there? (laughs) It's (laughs) just like just all shouting. And just like a fist fight goes down, like someone throws food at someone, like water. Like you give that (laughs) cup of water, you throw it into someone's face. Like it's kind of like that, except this is like the football equivalent, where we see Son and Loris going at it. But I mean, eventually they hugged it out. But Mm -hmm. even then, it's I don't know, it's a part of the game. Like you see this in other sports as well, like football, American football especially. Mm -hmm. Like when something happens, or like you know, in the classic NBA championships in the Cavs or uh, Warriors final, you see <laughs> J.R. Smith didn't know which <laughs> which side was which, and then you see LeBron shouting at him mm-hmm. like on the court. So I mean like, you know, things like this happen. But for me, I feel like it's more effective to kind of talk about, you know, this kind of arguments or have these kind of discussions behind the scenes rather than yeah. kind of out in the public because then Everyone interprets it. Yeah, interprets it like kind of negatively. And also it's a little embarrassing at the time. (laughs) It's like you kind of literally just put them on blast. It's like, oh, you didn't do this. And then Mm -hmm. it's it's in case for the people who missed it. It's like, oh, here, yeah, you didn't do this. So for me, it's all I'm I'm more of a person that believes is like, "Eh, maybe some things are better said, um, you know, afterwards. But maybe Loris also just wanted it more immediate. Yeah, uh, you know, where it's just like I need to tell Son immediately so that he knows off the top of his head. But I mean, I don't know. It's they've known yeah. each other for a
0: while, so maybe they know he knows something that I don't, but mm-hmm. no. I, I think um I agree with you. I think it's yeah, A little embarrassing, but also I think it's just kind of, um, you know, everyone argues with each other, but obviously you kind of do those arguments behind closed doors if you're kind of normal, you know, you don't <laughs> want, you know, the public perceiving you in any type of way. And, you know, when you put this out in the public, you know, anyone can kind of run away with, you know, their own little arguments so they can make up stories in terms like, oh, you know, this is why Son needs to leave or Loris needs to get out of here, you know. Um and then Mourinho is kind of like the guy that's just he's just the he's the hype man. He's just trying to <laughs> he's at the, this point in the instigator. I know he's enabler. literally <laughs> instigating his own team to argue more in public. I mean it's classic Mourinho, yeah. classic Mourinho content. And I yeah, like like you said, I, I don't I don't agree with it. I think I would have much rather seen them, you know, work it out. And if they did argue, like argue behind closed doors and leave that stuff in the locker room. Because even even in the NBA, when you see players, you know, arguing with each other, they may like scream at each other for a little bit, but it's never to the point where they have to be held back, you know, not not all the time. You know, you see it occasionally, but, you know, these two players have to be held back by their own players, you know, so um, I don't know. It's it's a little. It, yeah, I, I just don't agree with it. I don't mm-hmm. agree with it. And I think there was another mm-hmm. topic for Tottenham. Because they played Bournemouth today and they didn't register a single shot on target. And Roy Keane said something. He said that this Tottenham squad isn't filled with world-class players. It's a bunch of average players. And the reason he said that was because the lack of investment in the squad has led the... Basically, um, that squad has become so complacent that no one's really pushing each other anymore. And he said if you take Harry Kane out of that squad, you know, this is like kind of a mediocre team. I thought that was interesting because, you know, that was part of the reason Pochettino was fired because they brought in Mourinho because he was the guy that was going to, you know, start instigating stuff, get them riled up, you know, create competition again. But a lot of the same problems Poch had, Mourinho is starting to have them right now. So I I definitely agree with Roy Keane. I think the lack of investment is starting to catch up with Tottenham right now. It's like a reverse Sir Alex Ferguson, Manchester United
1: situation where instead of, Going out and, you know, when your team's doing well, instead of going out and buying a new player to make the team even better, it's just like, you know what? It's good. We don't need anyone. (laughs) (laughs) So now (laughs) this this is what happens. And there's been a progression in the past four seasons where they've just been finishing one place lower every single season.
0: Yeah, or Um, regression. Yeah, regression. Mm -hmm.
1: And this year in particular is going to be even worse. They're currently 10th.
0: Yeah. So they're not even and gonna they, be they didn't re- they didn't register a single shot on target against a Bournemouth side. They have are... like one of the worst defenses in the league. Yeah, and fighting relegation. It's like, oh. geez. It it and that I watched a little bit of that game. That game was so boring. It was classic Mourinho. And I I kind of felt bad for Tottenham fans because as a Manchester United fan, I lived through this for three seasons. Well, two and a half, really. Um, the problem is, Mourinho, he'll give you some of your highest highs in terms of beating, you know, beating teams like Liverpool, City sometimes, you know, those big teams where he just sets up a, a wonderful game plan. But you have to kind of take in some of the bad, which is this, when it's when you're playing lower league opposition and you're playing teams that you should beat, but Mourinho's style is to, you know, sit back, let them attack, and then hit on the counterattack. You know, you get... You a lot of times you'll get performances like this where it's really boring, nil nils, one nils. And uh I felt so bad for Tottenham fans because you literally went from Pochettino, who was the attacking one of the most, you know, guys that wanted attack to Mourinho, who's the, you know, shelled up, you know, bring your defensive A game on. And yeah, I just sympathize for Tottenham fans. It's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting two years for you guys, I would say. <laughs> with Mourinho at the helm. Well, I'll say this uh, as our
1: resident uh, listener Galen, the Tottenham fan likes to say <laughs> he's a fan of a team that just likes to disappoint their fans.
0: That's <laughs> like, what they do. It's just like, we're here to disappoint Tottenham. Oh, and he's not, he's not, Um. he's not wrong. <laughs> this performance, he's right not now, wrong. Yeah. He's not wrong, but yeah, that's, that Spurs for you. Um, One other topic was the Manchester City game against Newcastle. Before we talk about David Silva, I thought it was interesting Danny Rose and Kyle Walker because Kyle Walker came out in the second half of that game. And I was just thinking, I was like, man, remember, what was it, like four seasons ago when Danny Rose and Kyle Walker were like basically the Robertson and Alexander Arnold of the uh, of fullbacks in the Premier League? Like they were the best, I would say, at one point for like one and a half seasons. And then... Kyle Walker ended up moving to city and then Danny Rose is like regressed from them. But I just thought that was an interesting matchup. Cause I was like, those guys are pretty good back in the day. I'm not going to lie. Hmm. That's like when you go back in the days and it's like, man,
1: I remember when England was starting well back. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Carroll.
0: And hey, well, did score a bicycle kick. Yeah, he did. And that's why I was like, man, it's like throwback weekend. <laughs> I know there was a, there was a stat. They said, um, this, I think it was last weekend. It was the first week. Since 2014, that Benteke and Welbeck have scored on a Premier League weekend. 2014, <laughs> and Benteke scored after two
1: years not scoring at so at home. Park. Yeah. Oh this my is a striker. goodness. That's
0: I know. Like I, I not doing <laughs> your job for two years. <laughs> Danny Welbeck's the striker too. Danny Welbeck's a striker too. Dude. Um, and I I I made a joke. I was like, man, I want FIFA 14 back because low key those two guys were pretty decent on that game especially Ben Teke
1: yeah, back in the days when in P14, it was a lot more meta just to be, I don't know, it's still like the same thing. You just got to be fast, strong and <laughs> just shoot, just be able to shoot. But I mean, in this game, it's kind of like the same thing, but even more. So I guess mm-hmm. now you got to be
0: more agile of anything. Yeah. But I, I thought that was so interesting. And it was like, you know, kudos to Danny Welbeck for scoring that bicycle kick. Um, because that was pretty cool to see. But Benteke scoring, that was also really cool to see. But yeah, I, I just saw that Danny Rose-Kyle Walker matchup. And I was like, man, those take me back a couple mm-hmm. years back when like Tottenham were... Leg- like that 2016-2017 season, Tottenham were very good. They were super good with Dele Alli and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the cool things in this matchup was obviously City were really dominant. But David Silva potentially scoring his last goal for the Citizens for Manchester. Um It's, it's a little bit of an interesting career for David Silva. We obviously know how good of a player he was, but, um, read these stats. So I'm, I'm reading these stats to you right now. 306 appearances in the Premier League, 59 goals scored and 92 assists, but he's only won the Premier League player of the month once in his career. And that was September of 2011. So that's crazy. And that kind of brought up the question for me. Do you think he was one of the most underrated Premier League players of this decade? Yes, I think because, <laughs> it's like an easy one because
1: yeah. it, it was kind of like the Aguero situation where he was yeah. always second to someone. Mm-hmm. Whether it would be like Ozil
0: or like De Bruyne, De Bruyne Coutinho, Coutinho. Coutinho. um like it's, it's literally and even Yaya Torre on the same yeah, team. Yaya
1: Torre at times
0: too, yeah. <laughs> and then like Rooney for United. Oh, yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. It could be anyone. And like Cozola, like Ozu and Cozola were always talked about ahead of him. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was insane. Even for like the Spain national team. It's always like Iniesta started ahead of him, Isco. Xavi. O- 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 I know o- Xavi. Xavi wasn't like that, like the same type of role, but you know. Fabregas, Fabregas too. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, like even there, like <laughs> David Silva was always just like second fiddle to someone. even because Not because he wasn't one of the best. It's just because there's always someone on top of him that was like the best. Mm-hmm. At the time, like he has to one like the best playmaker in the world currently, and then like for Manchester City is like De Bruyne, like the best playmaker in the Premier League. If, yeah, and like if,
0: Yaya Tori was like Paul Pogba before Paul, Paul Pogba, Pogba, like was
1: Paul Pogba. <laughs> yeah, basically. So I think that's why Silva literally only has that one Player of the Month in 2011, and since then he he hasn't really been talked up too much. But I think that City are going to be losing a big player once, you know, David Silva leaves because a lot of stuff he does on the pitch, just like his awareness, his vision. It's just second to none in terms of just his ability to you know make plays and open up space for Gabriel Jesus or Aguero to get in on goal. And it's like the City situation right now is kind of reminding me of Barcelona where a lot of their core players are getting old and they're starting to replace except city by breaking the rules, you know, they bought a lot of <laughs> players <laughs> younger and they can take over that. While Barcelona, meanwhile, are just literally free for all. Yeah. It's, it's just Artur, 23
0: year old Artur for 29 yeah. year old Pianic or 30 year old Pjanic. It's literally like at Barcelona. If you're not, over 30 you can't be on the squad
1: yeah you can't be here (laughs) you can't be here it's like that's but then at City they're like oh shoot we probably
0: can't have all these old people on the team so Mm -hmm. no. I I mean I think they've literally bought a replacement for every player besides company I mean you could say Laporte but they don't have like a second center back So, like have a lead back yeah and then you have Rod Ree for Fernandinho, Jesus for Agüero, um, Kevin De Bruyne for David Silva, and like Bernardo Silva Martin basically. Phil Holden for David Silva. What? Yeah, oh, exactly. They're saying? saying he's like the replacement and such. So they've done it. I think they've done a pretty decent job of um, replacing him. I think for David Silva, I thought I think it was maybe in 2014 or 2013. I was reading, I was watching like one of these Sky Sky Sports analysts of him um, analyzing his game on YouTube. And I think it was Henri who said that um, and for him, he really liked the way Silva played because he wasn't like an Ozil um, and such who waited for the game to come to him. Silva was always one of those players that could make the game. He could bring the game to himself. Like He didn't have to wait for the game to come to him. He could just make things happen where he was. And that was one of my favorite qualities about him because no matter where he was, he was always very he was a very silky player in terms of he could always link play together super easily. Mm -hmm. And he was always before Kevin De Bruyne was there, he was the one linking and creating the final chance for Aguero and, you know, having those through balls, creating those passes and everything. So I'm definitely going to miss seeing David Silva play in the Premier league, even though he did play for the rivals at city. He was such a good player to watch. He was just, he was literally everywhere on the field. Like he could play left in the middle. I mean, And then, like, when Pep came, he dropped him back even more in the midfield, which I thought was crazy. But, you know, Pep morphed him into, like, even, like, a more well-rounded midfielder, too. So it was crazy. Yeah, and we even saw the morphing of his hairstyles
1: from (laughs) having, like, a mop on his head to losing all of his hair to having it remarkably regrow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Oh, man. And then, even if you were to go into like the FIFA terms, like you don't really even use David Silva in FIFA either. He was just never, yeah. never meta. He
0: just, it was yeah, cause like he didn't a
1: high like, rated player, but just never, never used him.
0: Yeah. Cause he, he wasn't, he wasn't blessed with like physical attributes in terms of being like very tall, very pacey. You know, he was just a very intelligent player. Yeah. And Which, such can't really correlate to artificial intelligence in it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to play. I've learned this like I think we all have all learned this through FIFA. It's just like if at a certain point you can be a very good player, you know, in person, but if you don't have those physical attributes, it sometimes it's hard to play play with that person on FIFA. And that's why he was always <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, four-time Premier League champion winner. Manchester City uh, a great career so it's gonna be interesting where he ends up and where his career takes him after this but do- definitely dominated the the league for a while um, a quick update on the relegation battle I know we mentioned this last week but honestly it feels like the bottom three teams are so bad that it's gonna allow West Ham and Watford just to kind of skate away and being really badly themselves just being really bad teams as well but they're Somehow got enough points to keep you know to stay alive. However, since Bournemouth stole a point from Tottenham, I don't know, man. I don't know. They did show some some signs of life against Manchester United as well, even though they kind of got blown out five two. But I don't know. I think Bournemouth. uh, I'm going to keep my. I I, I'm I'm going to keep the hope on Bournemouth. I think I think they still have a little bit of a fighting chance, a puncher's chance. They have a chance, but they're still going down <laughs> <It's not> a <laughs> great chance
1: it's um i i I think even if they do have a chance like uh like a fighting kind of mentality or like maybe they can fight through this, I still think the quality of, of most of their opponents they're gonna be facing in the remaining games are still gonna be too much to overcome like if they were facing other teams in the if they had west Ham schedule, schedule if, yeah, they if they had west, west Ham's Ham schedule,
0: schedule maybe oh. but I don't know. I, I it's do. it's yeah. it, it's sad because I don't know. A part of me feels so sad that they're gonna go down if they do go down. Because I feel like that too, because yeah, because the they're like literally stadium. road to glory,
1: <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah. road to glory. And then our our good listeners saw it. Always uses them in Ultimate Team.
0: <laughs> Just the vitality Stadium. I'm like, why do you use this one? It's like it's small. I'm like, okay. I I will say it does give the most unique camera angles <laughs> mm-hmm. when you watch them. Yeah, it and, always feels like you're there because like mm-hmm. there's certain
1: stadiums not gonna lie like some some angles at Anfield it just feels so far away from the action it's like man, what the heck but then yeah. when you see like those shots from Vitality Stadium like I've Goodison played, Park yeah or Goodison Park where it's like it's literally it's small so you can't go any farther otherwise you're outside of <laughs> the stadium yeah <laughs> it's like oh
0: okay this is a way better angle yeah i think Stanford Bridge kind of does a good job with that too they kind of whenever i watch their games it feels like um you're kind of like on top Mm-hmm. Top of like viewing angle, but yeah, part of me is going to be pretty sad that if Bournemouth do go down because they, it's been fun kind of watching their journey in terms of like how they've stayed up in the Premier League. I was thinking this too because West Ham lost. Um, I'm forgetting the team that I forgetting the team that beat them, but they lost. Um, I believe one nil. Um, the other day, and I was just thinking to myself, West Ham is kind of one of those teams like Newcastle, where I think it would do them a lot more. It would do them a lot of good if they actually went down. I know. West Ham fans are going to probably be really angry that I say something like that. But hear me out. Because um, I think the way West Ham has been going in terms of chopping and changing managers, buying these players that at one point were considered the next big thing, but just kind of bringing them in because, oh, they have a flashy name, hasn't really worked out. That strategy has been really missed. Like it's a hit and miss strategy and they've missed on a lot of things. They don't really have a good structure going on. They have a lot of random players. And I think if they went down They would obviously have to sell a lot of those players, but I think they could start building something that Newcastle have done where they went down and they kind of had to find themselves that the club mentality had to kind of find themselves. And I think for West Ham, it could be a good thing where they actually go out and try to do things the right way instead of trying to, you know, put bandages on a leaking ceiling, you know, that's how I personally feel low key. I don't know. It's kind of risky because sometimes you could be like Sunderland, and yeah, then it,
1: it could go horribly wrong. It could go horribly wrong, and then you <laughs> see themselves in League One. <laughs> you
0: have Chris Coleman as your manager.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you have poor management, just not quality players. Like all the good ones left, all the random players like Jock Rodwell are just there soaking up, yeah, wage. Cap. Like Felipe Anderson, Sebastian Allaire,
0: <laughs> wage cap. <laughs> well, I you know, know I
1: mean? like they can't, they can't afford everyone, so it's like, mm-hmm. all right, we gotta choose which players we can pay but I don't know there's in my opinion I always still try to I would say if, if you need to rebuild I would try to stay in the Premier League even yeah like I think I, 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 I think what you're
0: just saying though because like when you go down you're forced like you have no yeah, choice. you really have to look at yourself in the mirror and be like well mm-hmm. I have no one to blame but myself <laughs> yeah but then if you're
1: still in the Premier League at least you can still be like all right we can Go either direction, but at least we yeah. have money. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good thing because yeah, sometimes- they have like
0: that huge stadium as well. Yeah, Gosh. things. And- I, I, there was a stat, I'm not joking. There was a stat that since Dimitri Payet has left, he's actually created more chances in his short West Ham career than any other West Ham player has had since he left. Payet was. Another class, though, when he was away. Yeah, it was it that's insane. crazy. That's like we're talking about like five years since he left, four years, dude. Payette was one of those players that was a Silva. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly, dude. Payette was amazing, though. Yeah, free kick maestro. I still remember the free kick against Crystal Palace, but oh my
1: gosh. this is a, a different kind of tangent. But speaking about relegation, also want to mention promotions from uh, the Empire Champ underneath because. Oh, Currently, there are four games left in the season, and Leeds United are first, and West Brom, West Bromwich Albion are second, and it's, it's looking like those two teams are the teams that will be going up based on project tra- yeah. tra- trajectory, and third place spot is currently held by Brentford, and Brentford have one of like the best goal differences in the league, so it might be them, but... That's like a quick sneak peek to who could be teams you're seeing in the next season. So Leeds one of those classic teams that has been in the Premier League previously. One of the big teams. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, back, back in the like, day. Like oh like, five. Like you had like Ferdinand on that team.
0: Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And a lot yeah, of no, I, like Leeds. I'm I'm low key. If Leeds can actually do it, I'm I'd be pretty excited to see them in the Prem. Mm-hmm. Um, And and then West Brom, I kind of don't like West Brom. (laughs) I think a lot of people could say the same thing.
1: (laughs) West Brom is very much like a poor man's Burnley in terms of like they only score from set pieces, and Mm -hmm. it's like you know it's kind of like they they were very physical, but like there's not much besides when Lukaku was there and maybe Solomon Rondon. um, It wasn't really too much like creative play, so very much like physical brute kind of team but who knows maybe they're a lot different coming into this to the Premier League next season and for the third team I don't know it could be anyone it could be Brentford Fulham 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 coming back I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I just know that you know it'd be interesting to see like a team like Brentford a team that we haven't really seen before Mm -hmm. in a while at least and you know I've been looking into that and power champ and also noticing certain teams that Know were relegated a few seasons ago, or even last season. Like certain teams, like Huddersfield, they're in a relegation fight, and Stoke City are in the relegation fight. And I'm like, oh my gosh! So that's why I'm also a little more hesitant to be like, yeah, just drop down into yeah, the World it, league. It's
0: it'll be fine. And then you, yeah, you and it's, like it's definitely, <laughs> um, it, it definitely is a risk. And I think you know. I guess when I said I was I was looking at more of like a little bit more playfully, but definitely it does come at a risk because if you're not, if you don't take things very seriously in the championship because you play so many games in a season, you definitely can find yourself, you know, basically stuck in the championship or maybe even getting relegated, mm-hmm. which is even worse. Yeah. So, and even
1: other teams like Middlesbrough not too long ago in the Premier League, yeah, also in the in that Premier relegation League. battle.
0: Yeah. Cause I'm seeing Hull City right now in the bottom three and yeah. then Stoke barely. Barely keeping alive. I still don't like Whole City. Uh, Ever since that one game. And they gave
1: you Robertson. They gave us Robertson, that's true. But I mean, in 2013, 14, I still remember it was, we we lost to Whole City. And (laughs) I was like, man, that was such a pivotal game in that season because um, we were, I feel like that kind of game was just one of those games where if we didn't lose those points, we would have been in that title race just a little bit better. But, you know, I guess like it's kind of like a butterfly effect, or it's like we just had to go through all those years of pain just to get to where we are
0: now. Yeah, I mean, if you if you guys would have won that 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 year, you may have never gotten You
1: stuck with Brandon Rodgers. Well, maybe I should be I should be cheering on for whole City. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, um, gosh! And I, I would also mention this Leicester City—they won. Um, they finally got out of their rut and actually won a game. And it's going to be interesting because if they keep winning and United keep winning. It's basically the last game of the season is Leicester versus Manchester United. And if United win, they'll leapfrog Leicester and in getting into fourth place. So that's basically going to be a very pivotal game in terms of the finishing in the top four race, especially if Man City don't get their If their band gets upheld or am I getting am I getting the right vocab upheld yeah. or overturned? Or- Um, up overturned, I think would be better in terms of, okay, yeah. Overturned. Yeah. If the Manchester city's band gets overturned and they keep their champions league spot, um, that's going to be a very interesting battle for fourth place. And I I know a lot of jokes were coming out. Brandon Rogers capitulating and just, you know, (laughs) choking up the end of the season, but he, he's definitely, he, the pressure's on for Leicester. I would say right now. Um, you know, Nacho kind of stepping up and Vardy scoring his 100th goal in the Premier yeah. League. And he only started in the Premier League in 2014-15. That's crazy. I know. So And he was a late bloomer too. It wasn't like he's like a 20-year-old growing and developing in the league. That's kind of like how I'm kind of seeing life right now too. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, maybe we can still make it in. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know, it's if like you don't... Move- mm-hmm. No, I think it's true. I mean, look at Van Dyke. He wasn't like, he wasn't, it took him a while. Robertson took him a while. That whole Liverpool squad, like Mane, took him a while to bloom and everything. Never played uh, semi-professional yet, but uh, not too late. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you got to start off at Sunday
1: League. Oh my God. (laughs) Got to start Um, by working out first, if anything. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, of course yeah dude. I need to get back in the gym it's been a while <laughs> <laughs> there we go that, that was oh, man. a real part of the podcast just exactly the, uh, the sadness. what we've been doing <laughs> since during quarantine nothing <laughs> God. Um, but this kind of leads us into uh, some questions we have from fans they're both um, centered around Manchester United but our first question from um, strange intellectual PhD um, she asks is this starting to feel like old United again? And I must say I'm very excited and I am super optimistic, but this little thing in the back of my head just keeps me a little worried because I don't want to get my, I don't want to get the hopes too up in terms of, I want to keep things realistic because there's no way we can go from being literally 30 points. Um, I think, what is it? Are we 30 points or is it, Yeah, like literally close to 30, 20 points away from Liverpool who are in first place to next season, potentially winning the Premier League title. I just think there's too much ground to be made up in terms of depth, you know, consistent quality. But I think if we keep going at the way we're going, I think we can really challenge for maybe getting that second place and just really putting our foot on the pedal and being a little bit more consistent throughout the entire season. Because this isn't the first time that Manchester United have shown flashes of being very good and this is the first time this season they've kind of held up to that quality. But we've seen under Louis Van Gaal, a little bit under Jose Mourinho. You know, there's been times where they look like they're like starting to gain a lot of form and they start going on these big runs, but they're never able to really sustain it and keep it going for the next season. And I'm just very curious to see how they keep it up for next season. But I'm super excited right now. I think they have a lot of things going good for them right now. <laughs> And from my perspective, I feel
1: like it, it kind of is very similar to Yush's perspective in that it, it is all about consistency. Because, you know, under that Sir Alex days, it was very much like no matter who we brought in, it was always much like you know what the result was going to be. And they had some anchors in that team. They had like Ryan Giggs, Paul Skulls. Yeah. You know, Roy Keane. Roy I mean, Keane, there's like
0: Rio Vittich, Ferdinand Vidic, Evra. I mean, it was like legends out there. Van der Sar, Yeah. Crazy. So like like the usual suspects. And
1: in the past few seasons, we've seen, you know, the number seven in particular be Ugh. someone different. Like, I would say every single Memphis.
0: season. You got Memphis. You got- yeah. Antonio the- Valencia was the number mm-hmm. seven one season. And like Di Maria. Oh. And then like Sanchez. Yeah.
1: So just yeah. little things like that where it's just like, it's just it just kept changing and swapping where it's like, it just, it didn't feel like it. Like a team that was, you know, knew who they were and what their identity was. Something that, you know, Yosh mentions a lot <laughs> in yeah. previous podcast episodes. It's like, who are we? Gosh. It's yeah. Like, who geez. are
0: literally go back and listen to like episode four? Go back to season one. And you can literally see on our titles. There'd literally be titles titled Jose Mourinho Needs to Go. Manchester United are rotten at the core. There'd be crazy titles like that. And that was literally last season. Mm-hmm. And I mean For the most part, I think a lot of those problems have been fixed. But you know, we weren't United fans. We got to remember, we weren't. It wasn't too long ago where we were at a point where we were just so fed up with the club. So it's (laughs) it's important. It's important to keep things in a little bit of perspective. I think one thing I would like to see is just, like you said, more consistency. Um, And I know things are going well right now, but I know we need to strengthen in the transfer window in terms of trying to bring in more depth and bringing in maybe some more first-team quality. Because one thing I've always seen with United is once things get a little bit comfortable, the board doesn't really go out of their way to invest in the squad. Um, and they start making moves that are kind of a little bit random. So I, I just want to make sure the board knows that they have to keep it going and they have to keep the momentum going. And I must say, Bruno Fernandez, man. I, I know, Tyler, you said you were pretty jealous when United signed him. I was like, this guy this his overall persona the way he plays the way he commands the ball like his leadership qualities I mean he was signed in January and I think he he's honestly if he keeps this up the amount of goals he's scoring the assist he could be one of the best January signings in Premier League history close to like you know Van Dyke level um, at Luis Suarez level because this guy's incredible he's he reminds me of when you're playing pickup soccer and then like that really random good guy pops up
1: (laughs) and he just goes to owns town everyone it's like your your team's getting smacked and then he just comes
0: in and he just makes things happen i know and, and he and he's playing in his own little bubble where like yeah he, nothing really phases him cuz he's just like i'm too good he has like his own
1: kind of um. yeah his own as you, as you said like his own little bubble and like he does everything his own way and you know I'm pretty sure Shoshar gives him tactics and instructions but who knows maybe he just goes out and It's like alright just do your thing <laughs> Jeez. I mean the
0: guy is literally he, he's so interesting to watch because whenever he does give up the ball or he makes a bad pass I mean as soon as he does it as soon as he gives up the ball I mean he literally dashes towards the player and somehow wins the ball back or does his best to disrupt the person that got the ball and it's just like that fight and that um, that energy and just his overall play. I mean, I'm just, every time I watch him, I'm so excited to watch him because he can literally shoot from long distance. He can create with his passing ability. He's got a great vision. Um, he's, you know, he's quick enough where he can make those deadly, he can make those runs for those deadly counterattacks. Uh, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's not much else to say. I mean, he's just such a good player. And he does everything that you want from a player
1: he done right mm-hmm. it, it, it's really ironic like how the team has turned around when he came in because like i, I believe you guys haven't lost a game yet
0: since he's no, played, he. No, right? yeah. we haven't lost the game that he's been featured in exactly so it's kind
1: of it reminds me a lot of uh my final recreational soccer league season where it was my senior year of high school i don't know if i mentioned this on the podcast before but like um during my last my senior year of high school, I, I had a whole bunch of friends that wanted to play soccer that never played before. And <laughs> we were like 18 years old, 17 years old. And we're like, man, it's not too late, is it? And so we, we went to our local soccer team, like Ambush, and then we were just like, hey, can we do the U19, you know, league? And they're like, oh, we haven't had a U19 team for five years. <laughs> like, okay, well, we, I mean, how bad can it be? It's usually because when you play... Recreational soccer for like U14, U12, U16. It's there will be people that have never played before, or like people that have never played a sport before in these leagues. But at U19, what we discovered was that it's only people that have played soccer before, but just didn't <laughs> play high school, or just, you know, just for some reason just didn't play select or travel. They just wanted to play rec. <laughs> so we lost every single game <laughs> until the final game of the season when half our team was injured because, you know, most of our team didn't play soccer before or we just weren't very athletic. So we instead had some friends that were on varsity teams for you know, local high schools around us from like our own high schools or just from high schools of people that we knew like we knew these people. It's just like, we just know it's like, Hey, can you help us out? (laughs) (laughs) So they came in and, we, we lost our player cards, like, quote-unquote, lost our cards that kind of identified who was on the team. So we just had, like, a roster name. It was like, all right, um, we don't have the identification identification for who these players are. We just have the roster name. And then the co- and the ref was like, all right, whatever. It's like the last game of the season. So then he went down the <laughs> list. It was like, all right, Tyler. It's like, oh, that's me. And then, you know, it's like, yes. He's like, all right, it's, you know, yes, blah, 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 blah. And then it, it'd go down to the people that weren't supposed to be there. It'd be like, all right, so Sammy Kim... And then it was some, some like, um, like, like Caucasian dude. <laughs> like was like a, a Korean guy. And then um, it was just like a whole bunch of goofy stuff going around. And then we had like our another friend, like Omar, play as um, one of my other uh, friends named Nabil. <laughs> so it's just like little things like that. And then eventually we had um, one of the star players, for one of the top in. In the in Georgia, at least, or in the U.S., like everything is, or high schools are classified based on um, how big they are, like seven A, six A, five A, like things like that. And like seven A is kind of like like the biggest you can get, I believe. Is that right, Yush?
0: I think I almost I you know to be honest I should know more about it but I get really confused <laughs> whenever I see it I don't know about you I in get terms of like
1: reference that's like your graduating class is like 1000 people it's like 7a yeah. is
0: that your school no 7A? my school
1: is like five and okay. we had like 400 in our graduating okay. class so we had one of the top players from like one like a 6a school jeez from varsity team come on and, and play for our team and so we had about four or five players that weren't supposed to be on our team. No, six players actually. That like that's like half our team, more than half our team, just starting in our final game, and we're facing an undefeated team. And we were down two one at halftime. We're like, how is this possible? We literally have like varsity players and JV players on our team that even that shouldn't be here. But eventually, in the second half, they just turned up, and then we won four two. But it's like little things like that where I'm just like that reminded me a lot of like when Bruno Fernandes came in. Yeah, He's it's like, like when you're playing that Diego on our team. <laughs> it's
0: like when, it's when we dumb, played man. um Reed soccer. I mean, we have two guys that are really good, Alec and Raj. Um, shout out if you know who you they they know who they are. Um, <laughs> but they're so good that like n- n- who whichever team they're on that team most probably will win the game because it's one of those things where you can just kind of give them the ball and they just know how to create. And, you know, you're pretty much golden. And I think that's what the same thing with Manchester United is just when you have the guy this good, you just kind of give him the ball and let him do what he wants to do. This is a very weird tangent, but in terms of
1: a <laughs> a real life analogy, this is what
0: <laughs> United is in right now. <laughs> Honestly. <an> RC player. <laughs> Going off um and and uh, this kind of brings us i guess into our next question from Nathan um Nathan Moore shout out you know check out the episode we did with him last season on season 1 actually so this was last For year two seasons yeah. ago yeah um he's an arsenal fan but he came on and we had uh, a pretty funny chat about just a whole bunch of things concerning the premier league and all that um but yeah he's a huge arsenal fan he posted this question thoughts on united's ability to carry this form into next season kind of spoke about this in the last question but if they can keep, my biggest thing is if they can keep Paul Pogba and they can sign him up to a long-term deal. And it looks like from everything I've, I've been reading in the interviews, I'm seeing Pogba is actually a lot more happier now because there seems like an actual style of play. Everyone is happy. Everyone knows what they're doing you know the overall club morale is just more happy than it was under Mourinho if they get him signed up long term and they add more pieces i really think this team can be can go out and do some good things next year but it's just all about keeping pogba signed up long term if they lose him um i don't think they can really i also think it's part also to
1: make sure united keep most of their core starting 11 healthy because yes. i remember at some point in the season so it was like Rashford's Marciel, out. Marshall's Marciel. out. <laughs> it was, oh. It was like the like, are out. And then it was McTominay was McTominay out. McTominay was out.
0: It was like Fred McTominay and Pereira in the out. midfield. Fred and Pereira were literally the midfield two. Fred and Pereira were basically CDMs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> the epitome of what makes a good and Lynn, Lingard was playing number 10. Mm-hmm. Dan James was out in the right wing. And then we had. Dan James was your best player. Yeah. No, 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 no offense. I think Dan James is good, but he's not. I don't think he you can clearly tell anyone that's watched this United team since the postpone since the break. My Mason Greedwood is like miles ahead of uh, Dan James. Mm hmm. And Gosh. it's. It's pretty crazy how
1: Greenwood just kind of popped out. Like you, you mentioned. I remember at the very beginning. It's like look out for the preview. Guy
0: Greenwood. Go to the preview episode. I literally Solskjaer talked about this before the Chelsea game. He said Greenwood is the best finisher out of out of the finishes he had, which were Martial and Rashford. He was the best, most natural finisher. I remember. And- I remember you mentioning that, and I was like. Huh. Star <laughs> I know where's this guy, but I guess the the sixteen goals, only eighteen years old, sixteen goals in all all competitions at eighteen mm-hmm. years old. People were saying, I I think I saw this conversation on Twitter. They're like, this guy is probably like the best finisher for England since Michael Owen. Jeez, I and that's high praise. That is high praise. And I don't want to put out that comparison because obviously Michael Owen had ridiculous amount of pace, um, but. Gosh. I mean, literally, he's getting to the point where I've watched this guy and it's like, I honestly feel like he's going to score every time he shoots. Like he's that clinical. Everyone's comparing him to Robin Van Persie. But dude, this guy's supposedly best foot is his left foot. But he's literally, have you seen the goals he scored on his right foot? I mean, they're literally rockets. Yeah, it's incredible. Having a two-footed guy this young, I don't know. I, I how do you, how do you feel as a Liverpool fan? And Do you um you know, objectively speaking, I know I'm kind of on the United bias, but how good do you think this guy can be?
1: Mm, it it's dependent on his development cuz like there's certain mm-hmm. players that just never reach the potential, but right now he's going off and I feel like United so far this season have done a really good job and kind of shepherding him and making sure he doesn't you know, exhaust himself too quickly. Like there's yeah. certain players like that's why I was mentioning I was like oh you know Greenwood he's one of the best finishers at United but he he barely played any minutes until more recently now and yeah. i think he got a lot more
0: training a lot more he put on apparently he pulled on a lot of muscle during the coronavirus outbreak during <laughs> the like pandemic the me yeah he put on <laughs> like he lost muscle but, uh- <laughs> yeah he, he apparently that impressed a lot of the coaches that he was able to put on the muscle and make himself more physically fit for the league So, I mean, like little things like that. So maybe Corona
1: gave him the opportunity to, you know, close that gap. And then now we're seeing more fruits of that in these games. Because maybe if they did give him that opportunity without this period to, you know, bulk up and, you know, take time away, maybe he wouldn't be doing as well. But I think over time, it'll kind of be the bigger factor. Can he keep Mm -hmm. this consistently? Because, you know, even Rashford, he had like a good stint at the very beginning. And then he had like a little run where he was kind of struggling. But then now he's coming back into a little bit better form. And then you see that with Martial as well. Mm -hmm. So it'll be kind of dependent on Greenwood because like, he's still 18 years old, as you said. So
0: who knows? And I kind of think about this. Like, I feel like United, they're playing career mode. And you know how you have like that random youngster who's like, if you're like, if you're doing a career mode with a big team, you have that youngster that's that has the potential of being really good but you have to play it safe because he's like a he's like a 71 overall rated mm-hmm. and your whole squad is like 80 plus and you're like ah this guy really can't fit in so you just keep him in that training the training wheel and then finally once like january hits he's like okay he's well, he's like 75 so maybe i can give him a run in the run in the team and then he just goes off so like united have just been going like that fifa career mode way in terms of development and it was it was also interesting i saw this tweet with england um, Loki, pay attention to England's um international team for the next coming seasons because they're attacking talent. They have Phil Foden, Mason Greenwood, Bakayo Saka, um, Jaden Sancho, Rashford, Sterling, um, James Madison. Uh who else am I missing? There's some other there's some other guys. There's literally you can just name most of them just like <laughs> the Premier League players. I know. <laughs> and and Loki, like England could be could could be pretty good when it comes to the national stage, pretty mo- like more consistently, I would say. Mm-hmm. But
1: I mean, it'll also depend on the defense. I would say is the most important bit.
0: Yeah, so, I guess like you, you really only, they only really have like Harry Maguire, Joe Gomez, Jordan Ma- I mean, Dickford. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the real the real. That's the if maybe right. Dean Henderson, maybe
1: Dude, Dean Henderson? Henderson can keep it up. But you know, after the restart, Dean Henderson has been. Yeah, Ma- he's, Ma- been, <laughs>
0: he's been. Yeah, he's been all right. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. England's gonna be England's gonna be interesting. I wanted to put put this real question out. Uh, so I, I think they can I think they can carry it, it obviously dependent on those things, but there's been a lot of conversation. A lot of people are kind of um they like to poke jokes at Maguire saying that he there's no way he's more expensive than Van Dyke. And obviously, obviously we know that Van Dijk's a better center back, but from your take, do you think who do you think is a better center back, Lindelof or Harry Maguire? <laughs> Hmm.
1: They're both very different in terms of defend defenders and, yeah. and also how to defend. I feel like Maguire, he he has a lot of shoes to fill in terms of his price, and he is beaten somewhat easily sometimes when he's taken on by a, a player that's fast or that, that's his biggest downfall. Funky.
0: He's just a little too a clunky.
1: Little yeah, he's a little too clunky. Like a little, like just like a little step to the side, and then it's like, oh, he just got past him. And like that, <laughs> kind of like the biggest criticism for someone who's worth the or like the most expensive defender in the Premier League, mm-hmm. and like he can't be being beat this consistently. Like Van Dyke, he was not beat by players for like fifty plus games, and then Harry Maguire Pepe. Like, every single Pepe. week. <laughs> yeah, until Pepe <laughs> did it. Like one of the best dribblers in the world, but then like prepare Maguire is like just. Every game, it's <laughs> like, like a little ball roll. <laughs> <laughs> and then, in the meanwhile, like Lindelof, it was a lot different. Whereas, like he was kind of this like a player. It's like, oh, I don't even, I never even heard of him when United yeah, bought him. Benfica from Benfica. Yeah, from Benfica, and he had a lot of potential. And I feel like he's still trying to fulfill that potential. He's not a player. I feel like that's
0: one of the top defenders in the Premier League. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely a more mobile. Like he's a little, he's a lot more agile than Lindelof. I mean, he's a lot more agile than McGuire. And he's a, I think he's a I think they both can they do they both do a pretty good job in terms of playing the ball at the back. But I think Lindelof is definitely a lot more willing to you know run forward and bomb forward a little bit and take the ball out from the back. But his biggest worry for me is that he's not very physical, and a lot of teams like Rashard and Calvert Lewin they will take advantage of that and. They really kind of play like bully ball with Lindelof. I think that's his biggest criticism is that if you get physical with him, he he kind of like whimpers a little bit. I would say. Mm-hmm. I I agree with that, and it's just I don't know.
1: He just I I <laughs> I wouldn't start him if there was like really?
0: another defender. Would you would, p- would you put Bailly? I mean, I like Bai, that- but Bai I really Bai I feel like can be really really good, but he is just. Sometimes he can make a lot of decisions that I'm just like, what are you doing? He's just so random sometimes. I think more so United just need another defender.
1: <laughs> another <laughs> center back. It's just, I don't know. It, it, I don't think Lindelof is the United go-to defender.
0: Like They, mm-hmm. they shouldn't be like, all right, that's our guy. <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish Bayi would have worked out, man. If you ask any United fan, they love Bayi, but sometimes Bayi can like make your head scratch with his decision making. Yeah, and that's like the biggest thing.
1: That's you don't know. It's certain players have the physical attributes, just
0: not the right mentality, and then also vice versa. Would you Would you say like? <laughs> yeah, and I agree. Would you say like Bayi's like? Uh, I know it's kind of off topic, but Would you say like Bayi's like Skirtle, like a little like? he can be good but then he can be like kind of like not hot-headed but like also just really random the way he plays
1: hmm I would say Skirtle was more predictive in when you knew when he was going to make a rash decision. <laughs> be like, you can give certain scenarios like ABC, and it's like, all right, he will do it in this, this, and this scenarios almost every time, and then he does it consistently. while Bai is kind of like it, you never know. it's kind of like a box of chocolates. It's just like, you know eh, maybe this scenario he might do it, maybe not. And then he ends up doing it. It's like, oh, okay well, this one of those times where he does it. Well, Skirtle is like, all right, if it's this happened, if this." then it will be this and yeah. it will be like that every time so you know it's that's that's how it is between scrotal and by not the best decision making from either but you know yeah. at least for scrotal you can kind of see it coming
0: it'd be like oh <laughs> oh man yeah it, it's interesting i i um that's kind of like what what is up with uh united i think we can um I think we're both kind of predicting they can be a good team. They just have to keep improving and keep the consistency. Consistency is the most important thing. Um, But I I want to quickly point out with Liverpool, Tyler, is there a... I know we've talked about their youngsters a little bit, but is there one youngster um, that you're looking most looking forward to in terms of like this this latter half of the season. I I think Curtis Jones scored, right? Yes, Curtis
1: Jones is one of those scouse players that has been in the academy for a long time. And one of those up and coming players as well that also signed a new long term contract with Liverpool. So nice. We're thinking Klopp is not signing or, you know, looking into other big name players because he has the players in mind already in from the Academy. So Maybe we don't like there's been some some rumors that Liverpool are linked with Thiago. Uh, yeah, do you, do you
0: like that? Because he's like, what, 29 old, at this like point? He's like, man. <laughs> yeah. He's really I mean, good, would you, but I mean, would you, you know, want him? It, uh, mm,
1: in terms of who he would take over for, it'd probably be like Keita or, you know, one Aldo, something like that. So I'd rather they start over Thiago. So I, I don't know. It, it, it's it, it's dependent on how healthy these players are too. But in my opinion, I think I would rather have Curtis Jones come up and see what he can do. Because like, even though he's come on as a sub in these past few games, it's been looking a little promising. And also just he's already acclimated to the Klopp system. So you don't have to like teach someone like Thiago how to get into the system and how to yeah, really-, really play it. Even though he'd bring his own kind of bag of tricks, but sometimes it is a little hard to teach an old dog some new tricks in terms of Diago. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, he's kind of getting up there. And he's never played in a style like this. He's very much been at Barcelona, where he's very much passing, or at Bayern Munich, where he usually that team is the dominant team in whatever yeah. matchup they're in. A possession based yeah, game. Possession based. So this would be a lot different for <laughs> if you were to go to Liverpool. And, you know, besides Curtis Jones, there's also Nico Williams, which is yeah he's a left back, right? Right or right or left. Either one. Like right now is he's more left over Robertson. It is over Robertson, but you know, he, he has some, he has some sauce to him. Like he he does (laughs) get up as well. And then like, you know, juke some players and takes shots when he needs. So he has like that kind of in his DNA that kind of shot on his locker, which is good. So I kind of like that too. So like, these certain players that are getting chances are two players we can highlight that I think are players that Klopp are really trusting in if they're getting minutes now. And also reasons why he's not looking into other players to come into the club. Cause it's like, well, we got him. And also like Rian Brewster, he's on loan at Swansea and for yeah. he seven goals already. So I think that's I like, cool. you've been talking about Brewster for a while now. Even yeah. Brewster is one. one of my fave players. He's just like he, a lot of, a lot of, trust from Klopp that he will do well, so you know, I'll trust in that. And even in like those small preseason games and, you know, those few games that he's played at Swansea, he's been looking a little promising. So we'll see. But I don't know. It, it's it's gonna be a lot different when you see a certain player play in the Premier League as opposed to playing a preseason or at for Swansea. So we'll have to see from there. But I think He's trusting it in the academy, and that might also bring in some new good prospects in the future, too. If certain players that are growing up, see that oh, Liverpool are actually playing their academy products rather than buying in like the next best player. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why certain players like Harvey Elliott is even though he's a Liverpool fan, he's uh, he went to the club at age 16, <laughs> he's one of the best prospects in the world. So, I think that's also a thing. It's kind of like you know, UGA, I think, in terms of like yeah. recruiting, too. You see. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see certain players make it big from going to a certain place, I think that will encourage people. So, like you know, there's like a statistic that came out where UGA's graduates in the NFL accumulated the most salary, like the high salary accumulated. If you if you compare all the players from every single college, yeah. So it's kind of like that scenario where it's mm-hmm. like if you go to Liverpool, maybe you'll start seeing some some good game time playing for one of the best teams in the world in the best league in the world or the co- most competitive. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think the, um, you, you can also say with like United and like a little bit with Arsenal too. Um, Cause like with Phil Foden, he's now getting his chance, but he's like what? 21 or 18. Yeah. Um, But it, it took him so long to even break into the first team for meaningful minutes. And he's like the only one. Yeah. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> Eric, a, Garcia, like Eric Garcia, Eric Garcia, maybe, but you know, He's, like, yeah. the only English player I know of at City that is this hyped up mm-hmm. or, like, supposed to be this good, so... Yeah, and, I mean, like, even if you look at, like,
1: other academies, like the Chelsea one, it's, like, maybe you'll end up at Chelsea. Maybe, most likely, you'll end up in the Eredivisie. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> or Man City, if you're good enough, or, you know, Liverpool. But <laughs> um, it's, like, kind of things like that, so... Yeah. That's how... My, the, that's my weird take on it. Yeah,
0: it's definitely interesting. I think they're... Obviously, this was a... um Um, that's pretty interesting take because, you know, Liverpool obviously are in a position where they can just kind of play whoever they want at this point because they've won the league Mm -hmm. and they have such a big lead, but, um, that kind of wraps up season three, episode 80 for us. Um, it was a, a lot of tangent topics, but it was, it was one of those weeks where there's so much going on, but there was, um, it was kind of like the, the normal stuff that was going on, but we tried to pick out some of the bigger stuff that bigger topics that matter to us Mm -hmm. but yeah that kind of like a lot but also not a lot yeah if that makes sense yeah (laughs) it's one of those weird ones where it's like there's a lot but not not a lot to talk about in a sense but yeah we kind of picked out some of the best stuff for you guys but please make sure to give us a follow on twitter and instagram at the Premier pod and follow us and subscribe to us on our youtube page we post the full episodes on there as well yeah just um hit us up with questions anytime in the future on those social media pages. We're both active on both of them, but yeah, that kind of wraps up season three episode 80 for us. Please make sure to rate comment, subscribe, tell us what you like, what you don't like. Um, and we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Thanks guys. Peace. Peace.